Hey guys, it's me, Kirsty from Eternal Slumber Party Podcast. I just wanted to let you know this week's episode, we go over some spooky stories. We will be putting some content warnings in the episode description, so please check those out. If you don't think that this is going to be your cup of tea, no harm, no foul. We'll see you next week. You have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. Swift drop a new song I know we went two weeks without but like did Taylor Swift drop a new song oh that's right I didn't even make a post about that I was gonna put that in the memes um I went two whole weeks without talking about Taylor Swift we just crashed and burned so hard but <laughs> to be fair I brought it up because I saw that today and I was like did she release a new song am I missing something um so it's not a new song it's Cruel Summer which is on the Lover album that was released in 2019 but a remix of the song just dropped and then she dropped the live version like the live audio from her concert from the tour uh because she's trying that lover is the only album that did not have a number one single so she was pushing cruel summer really really hard uh because it didn't get a chance to be a single because they kind of scrapped it because pandemic true yeah did not want to be pushing a song called cruel summer during the pandemic um, I mean, it was so. a cruel summer. Let's be real about that. No, oh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so she's been pushing it pretty hard this year to try to get it to number one, which it did. And I was also seeing something where now it's also eligible for 2025 Grammy. Why? I don't know. I guess there's something with like cutoffs for eligibility, but I guess because it's a number one single, it can go to the 2025 Grammys or something. Okay. Yeah, I didn't look too far into it. I was like, okay, why? All right. But yeah, that's all um, I saw. Um, and now we can bring the Taylor counter back to zero. And I don't know if people want me to continue talking about Taylor every week or not, but we'll see. To be fair, that was me. I brought it up. I could have waited and asked you that later, but I, I did bring this up. So um, you, you also, me. the last two times, steamrolled me into Stranger Things immediately. <laughs> I didn't get I a chance like, to talk. Hey, how are you? And Stranger Things. And here we go. That's fine. We didn't have time in the other two episodes to talk about anything else. Oh my God. We didn't have time for anything. So yeah, how are you, I guess? This week has killed me. I am a shell of my former self. Is it from editing all of the podcast episodes? <laughs> no, it's I. So I attempted to dye my sheets over the weekend. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> Did I tell you exactly what happened? Yeah, you were texting me about it. Did I tell you that I put the dye into the washer and then was trying to like get all the air bubbles out. So the washer was open too long. So it just drained all of the dye within five minutes of it being in there. Oh my god. Yikes. Yeah, it and it didn't bleach properly. And then I did all the dye, did all this stuff. It came out the right color. I did one last like normal wash and dry and somehow then there were bleach stains on them. So I was like, "Okay, 
I'll try again. So I tried bleaching again. I literally, this is the other thing that happened. This was the moment that when you texted me, I was like, I am not the stable person. Yeah. I almost bought a $75 vinyl for the debut album for Taylor Swift. Um, So I needed someone to talk me off the edge. And And it wasn't going to be Margot. I was on that edge holding your hand because I was trying to bleach the sheets again. And I was checking it, like making sure they were wrung out, making sure everything was even. I did a thing where I lifted it up and it was like, okay, it's like tan, which means that the color has been bleached from this. It's like tan. Cool. I'm going to put it in, let the washing machine do its rinse. And then I can like do the dye. So I let the washing machine do its rinse. I pulled those sheets out and they were green again. And I was like, I give up. (laughs) This is the point. I sat down and I ordered myself new sheets. (laughs) You tried so hard and in the end it didn't even matter. I tried so hard and I got so far and in the end it didn't even matter. But um, my new duvet cover is fantastic and the sheets are here tonight. So I'm going to have my whole brand new and I also got myself a new um, like mattress topper because I discovered in all of this when I took my sheets off the, this last time to attempt the dyeing that there's a massive rip down the middle of my mattress topper. And so there's just a the little fuzz like coming out. <laughs> You've been through it. How are you? <laughs> I... I really wish I bought that $75 vinyl. (laughs) Did you go back? Was it still there? No, I didn't go back. I've been afraid to go back because I know that if I go back and it's there, I'm going to buy it. Well, did you look up the prices online? No, I know you said to do that, but then I didn't do that because, again, if I go back, I'm going to get it. Well, if you look up the prices, you can argue it down, maybe. I... Don't. Or maybe you look and it's a steal and you run there, like, right now. I don't know. One of us has to be on the ledge to hold the other one back. It clearly cannot <laughs> be you. You are going through it. I have to be the one. Listen, I'm stabilizing, okay? I, okay, this is another thing. So Stabilizing I mean- is not stabilized. <laughs> one of us has to be able to keep this thing going. <laughs> so i'm i can't right now um i can't look at that i cannot have the vinyl okay come back to me in four days after i've slept 12 hours so you didn't get the vinyl i didn't get the vinyl i did go see the eras tour movie and i did get the popcorn tin you can see it in my background right ah, there look at that um i got the little poster i got the official amc friendship bracelet i got the cup um so i was living my best life um fantastic i saw ian mcconnell in concert and that was that's right the concert was great opener banger lila wilde bangers of a song um so good ian mcconnell fantastic so fun loved it here's what i didn't love and this has Uh nothing to do with him nothing to do with her it's everything to do with the venue Oh no. I went by myself and the way, like, it's a listening room. So it was not like a concert venue where you're, concert venue, like where we go and dance. We go uh-huh. and we sit and we can sing along, but we're not dancing. We're like at tables, okay. eating and drinking dinner, kind of like a comedy okay. club sort of situation. Right. Like how, like the Beach Two Sandy show, but like music. Yeah. Okay. And I was 
we were packed in front. These tables were not set out in a very good way to like let people walk back and forth oh, to their seat. Oh no. Um, I, as a single, uh, single viewer, I don't want to say single person. I am still in a relationship. I just went to this concert by myself. Um, and I do not want that confused. <laughs> I went to this concert and because I was by myself, I was put at a table with four other people, with three other people. So I was one of four and then yeah. we were sandwiched next to two other people. Okay. The two other people were not on a date. They were also just randomly placed together. Oh, no. <sighs> then at the table of three was another random guy and then a couple. And all of us, because Ian McConnell attracts a certain kind of person to his uh -oh. fan base, all uh -oh. of us were so awkwardly sitting there trying not to make small talk, but trying <laughs> not to be rude. <laughs> These were like, we are not cut out for conversing with strangers no 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 we listen to ian mcconnell are you insane <laughs> dr boyfriend's amazing. not there he's currently doing rotations so he's not there to be the golden retriever one who makes everyone talk and has a good time and get everyone laughing so i'm like i am suffering so much <laughs> i would like to leave please because i am sandwiched between strangers trying to and just watch a concert and they didn't even have chicken strips. And they didn't even have chicken strips. Uh, which, Margo and I love going to one venue here in Philadelphia, Underground Arts, because they have amazing chicken tenders yes. and liquid death. And every time we go, we get chicken tenders and then drink so much liquid death and we have a great time. And it's fantastic and I love it every single time. So much. We will start posting more pictures when we go there. Um, most selfies we have together are taken at Underground Arts, actually. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, except for the one we took on your birthday. Yeah, except for the one that we took. I have not I will post that one as well uh, because we both were wearing striped sweaters with rainbows. And that made me birthday. so happy. On my birthday, we went to go get tacos. We ate. I, I ate so many tacos. I was like, probably should have stopped after three. Did not. Kept going. <laughs> I mean, they were all you can eat tacos. So you had to get through two rounds to make it worth it. To make it worth it, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then we decided to go for three. Did we do three? Did we do three? I think we no, did. No, we only did two. Did I don't know. I know we got two bowls of beans and rice. We only did two. I started just going into a taco coma. So I don't know. And then we had and a whole thing of churros with a giant sparkler attached to yeah, it. Yeah, that was a huge firework. Uh, being from Colorado, seeing that kind of thing just available to normal people spooked me i was terrified my little fire safety heart was like i need to douse this in water right now or the entire state's going up in flames <laughs> the pictures that our friend took of you trying to look happy but also just being like ah! i i'm from colorado i see fire and i go oh my god my state is about to go up in flames if i do not put this out right now <laughs> it was huge oh i also wanted to say Margot got me a wonderful birthday gift i have my own merch oh yeah that's uh, right she got me a shirt <laughs> that says i make life harder which is a callback to i think our second episode i think it's the second episode yeah, yeah. the second episode um and she got me a shirt and by pure coincidence got the exact shirt that i made for the joke 
not coincidence um i remembered oh, the picture and oh, like okay. just went based off of that i was like i think it looked kind of like this oh and then you went that. back and you checked the picture and then it did kind of look- okay i i, I was, was like i think I, re- I think i remember it looked like this and then i looked again and i was like wow i did it perfectly <laughs> yeah but it's uh black instead of white because i wear more black shirts yeah. than white shirts figured black was the better option so yeah. so you had a good birthday good birthday week yeah very fun birthday week fantastic uh, now we're done with Stranger Things, and we are going to start doing some spooky stories. We're going to just do a little bit of a chill week. We researched some stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. A little bit of a chill week. Can I read to you the text messages you sent me today that were the least chill too. text messages I've ever received from you? I paced back and forth in my apartment like so nervous. <laughs> There's I could tell so how panicked you were, and I was like, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. I have the memory of a goldfish. Do you want me to go first, and then you save the surprise for the end? The um, yeah, closer? sure. Yeah. Okay. I have a very cool. long story, so I think we should get yours I... first, um, and then if people are bored of me, they can just kind of leave the podcast knowing they got the good stuff. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. Okay, so today... I'm doing the most basic, most basic. This is cryptozoology 100. This not is even the 100. Like, spice lattes of cryptozoology. This is, this is the, you couldn't even get to the level 100 class. This is the level 001 class that you have to take to test into the 100. Like basic, basic overview. And I will give some good sources of where to go to get further information. Um, so today I'm going to be doing, you know him, you love him, you love to know him. It's Mothman. How much do you know about Mothman? Um, I have seen the Bailey Sarian podcast episode about it, and I have seen the BuzzFeed video about it. How do you remember much from them? Almost none of it. Okay, cool. Except for he's a moth and a man and has red eyes because i look at fan art of like <laughs> cryptids so i know kind of what he looks like yeah so i'm gonna start with the history of the location so this story takes place in point pleasant west virginia which is located right next to the ohio and the kanawha rivers just to give you a little bit of a sense of where we're at so This place was originally the home of the Shawnee tribe before the shitty white people showed up. Um, On October 10th, 1774, Virginian militiamen defeated the Algonquin Federation of Shawnee and Mingo warriors that were led by the Shawnee chief named Cornstalk. So this is important. This little history lesson, I promise, is important. So Chief Cornstalk had tried to keep his people like neutral and not fight against any of the settlers, especially during the Revolutionary War, going so far as to go to like congressional hearings and like talk about, we want peace. We want to like make this, he was very much someone who was like, fine, you're here. Let's try and not kill everybody, you know? So then this shithead, Matthew Arbuckle, was the fort master of Fort Randolph. Now Fort Randolph was built right where Point Pleasant exists today. So this is the settlement that showed up where all the Shawnee people lived and was like, hi, white people are here now, we're taking over. So 
he ended up, there's a few different things. Either two other Shawnee tribe members showed up and then Cornstalk and then his son. Some stories said it was Cornstalk's son and then him and then two other tribe members. Some say that Cornstalk showed up first and then the other three showed up. But somehow all four of these Shawnee tribe members ended up in Fort Randolph that was run by Arbuckle. And Arbuckle decided that he was going to detain any Shawnee member that he came across. He was just going to detain them despite there being no reason, no like history of fighting, no current fighting, like nothing like that. And Cornstalk was the one that he was even trying to do, like make sure there was peace. And Arbuckle not only decided to detain them, but then decided to murder all four of them. He murdered Cornstalk's son in front of him and then shot Cornstalk, killing him. And the reason that this is important is that there is a legend that before Cornstalk died, he said, I was the border man's friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I refused to join your pale face enemies with the redcoats. I came to the fort as your friend and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side, my young son. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its peoples be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. Don't talk to me or my son ever <laughs> again. So, again, this is a legend. I, it, it could very much be flowered up. Like, he could have said, like, it could have been made up later. But the legend is there's literally an Indian curse on the land that came from Shawnee Chief Cornstalk. That is badass as hell. Oh, my I God. What? A start. This is why I was like, go first. This is why. This is so good already. So also, he said all of that after being shot eight times. Can you imagine literally any story about any Native American? Like, so I took a Native American history and like literature course in college. And some of the most beautiful stories, some of like truly some of the strongest people and like just the way that they think and the way that they tell stories and the way that they like describe things it, it's so unique and gorgeous and i love it and like but yeah so this was what the legend says he said to arbuckle in the place that is exactly where point pleasant is today a quick question why do people yeah. keep building on cursed bear like sites like i hear there's a curse my thought is not let me build a town my first thought is let me get the stage (laughs) so part of it is that the fort was already there and then another big part of it is that there's a lot of quote-unquote indian burial grounds and quote-unquote indian curses that are places are claimed to be but you don't really know for sure but also the entirety of this country is stolen land so there's an overall curse, I feel. Maybe we should pack it up, it, ship out. You do not want to get me started on the horrible living situations in reservations on in this country. It truly makes my blood boil. It, I would fist fight God about it. I'm in that type of mood. So 
<laughs> so Anyways. circling back to Mothman, because I don't want to get started. That sounds like a whole <laughs> other episode. Yeah, it truly is. So here's the thing about this. Since this happened, there have been an unnaturally high amount of disasters in this area, including but not contained to the worst coal mine disaster in American history that took place in 1907 when 310 miners were killed. A tornado that killed 150 people in 1944, an airplane crash in 1968 that killed 35 people, an explosion in the Mason County Jail from a failed escape attempt in 1976, and a freight train derailing and dumping thousands of toxic chemical waste, thousands of, I missed the word there, a shit ton of <laughs> toxic waste into the town's water supply that just like, to this day has left their wells abandoned. They don't have a fresh water supply to this day. And that's only the few of the things that have happened in this area. When did the curse get put on the land again? What year? It it was in 1774 or five. Okay. So from, we'll just say 1974, not 1774. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. From 1774 up until 1974, that entire mm. time, because things were happening in the 60s. You said something was happening in the 60s. It's 1777 is when he was murdered. 1977 is when he was murdered. Okay. November 10th, 1777. Okay. I'm just saying, I would ditch so hard. I could not imagine. Okay. So your town is cursed. There is a curse on the land. All of these terrible things keep happening. And then you stay there? No, I'm out. Not just stay there, but in the 1960s, there was an area created that was officially called the Clif Clifton F. McClintic Wildlife Management Area, otherwise known as the TNT area. So this area is known for hunting and fishing and was also once a military industrial plant. The campus has a ton of old bunkers that are rounded so they're commonly referred to as igloos by the locals we don't entirely know what they were making in this plant because this it was like military so stranger things coded it was cold war 60s like 40s to 60s so like world war one world war two to the 60s finally got abandoned no like genuinely i was reading this stuff and i was like Duffers. Duffers, did you read John Keel's book? <laughs> Which I so, I would be shocked if they hadn't. So they they saw something. They saw a YouTube video on MK Ultra. They saw a YouTube video on Mothman and said that's the show. So let's talk about the events surrounding Mothman. Here's the thing that I learned, and I learned this mostly from. I want to give a shout out to the podcast Astonishing Legends. They have a five part series on Mothman. This podcast is amazing. This was the first time I listened to it, but they are, they have like this casual way that they talk to each other, but they're also so intelligent. They do so much research. They have an entire research team. And I was listening to one where they were like, we would like to hire a physicist to be on our research team. And I was like, or like set like some In mathematical economy. Like, well, like literally was like, they're trying to do the most for research. So I they i got a lot of my information from them and if you want a really good like podcast five-part series because this is going to be again the basics i would recommend astonishing legends and just in general because it's a great podcast so 
Here's the thing that a lot of people don't, I think, realize about Mothman, and I didn't know this until I started researching this. There are Mo- Mothman is more related to aliens than cryptozoology. Go on. <laughs> so in this, I am going to talk about specific Mothman sightings. However, once again, I would say dive into the Astonishing Legends podcast. And also there is a book about this entire thing called The Mothman Prophecies written by John Keel. It was published in 1975. He is the main researcher in all of this. He's the one that was documenting all of the different sightings. He was the one that was talking to different people, doing all these different things. If you want like a deep, deep dive, read that book and you will get so much information. But the thing about this is leading up to the first sighting of Mothman, there was multiple alien sightings from multiple different people in the area. And this area has kind of been a hotbed for alien sightings for a while, but it was like kind of ramping up at the same time. And these sightings are referred to mostly as men in black sightings because people would have this alien encounter and then men in black would show up and be like, hey, forget about that. You didn't see anything. You don't know anything. Again, I'm very glossing over this because I want to talk more about the crypto side of it than I do the alien side of it. Because I was like researching this and I was like, I this is a lot. <laughs> well, I feel so, like men in black could be its own thing that we talk about. 100%. And then it, I completely agree with you. So it is very interesting, though, that a lot of people think Mothman is an alien. It's a wild time. <laughs> what are and you? Are of- you team cryptid or team alien? I'm team cryptid. Oh, thank God. But there are, there is one sighting that I will talk about that is interesting. We'll see what you think about this. But I just want to lay out, there were multiple alien sightings. So the entirety of the Mothman sightings takes place between November of 1966 and December of 1967. About 13 months is is about the time frame and we had over 100 reported sightings in that time i do believe that that number includes alien sightings so let's talk about the first sighting so november 12th 1966 there were five grave diggers going out preparing a grave at night unclear why they were preparing a grave at night this source is a little bit unsubstantiated there's a little bit of back and forth about whether or not this is real but i'm going to include it because I saw it in a newspaper article. So, so I felt so it's it was real. real. I felt it was real enough. But well, for five grave diggers were out there preparing a, a grave. And one of them saw a giant brown human being fly over them. That's what it was described. Giant brown human being. Then on November 15th, 1966. This is the big night. So November 15th, 1966. Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette were driving past the TNT area that we talked about and decided that they were going to go urban exploring, drive around the, the campus a little bit, see what's yeah, in there. as one does. As one does. So they decided to go look around inside, and as they do that, they saw a large figure standing on the side of the road. They described it as a large gray creature with glowing red eyes that also looked like a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall, 
with 10 foot wide wings. So they saw this, they all got real freaked out and they took off and the, the creature followed them. And they talk about this is that they were driving the car and like coaxed the car up to a hundred miles an hour. And the creature was still staying with them up to a hundred miles an hour going down this road, stayed with them until they got back to like quote unquote civilization. So back to the town where there were more lights around and then the creature stopped. So this, these four people went directly to the sheriff and were like, Hey, we just saw this thing. What the fuck? So they go, they immediately report it to the sheriff. And they also told the sheriff that while being able to fly over a hundred miles per hour, when walking, it was clumsy and walked kind of like a penguin. Which, when you think about Mothman walking around like a penguin, that's kind of love it. I kind of love it. That is comical. I love it so much. So wait, doesn't he have legs? Why would he be walking like a penguin? Well, he does have legs, but it might have something to do with the size of his wings in comparison to his body, but unsure. That's just how they described it. And it was they also said that he was afraid of the light, which is interesting to me because that's the opposite of moths. Yeah, being moths named Mothman. Love the light. But I will briefly touch on the history of where the name comes from. Um, and they also said that when when it flew, it spread its wings out, but then rose straight up without flapping its wings. And they said it like rose straight up like a helicopter. So it like put its wings out, but then just like rose straight up instead of flapping. What? (laughs) I know. So to me, this feels like it lends to the alien theory slightly because you could make the argument it's an alien attempting to pretend to be a bird, but it's doing a really bad job. Yeah, and then if it's like the alien just kind of in its little Google brain, alien brain, it's like, what kind of birds are on this planet than to walk like a penguin? Penguin's a bird. Yeah, so it's interesting, but I think it also lends to the crypto because in, in Astonishing Legends, they talk about it a lot, about the reason why birds are built the way that they are and how they literally have air pockets in their bones to help them be more aerodynamic and lighter. And so the anatomy of this creature does not make sense for flight, similar to a penguin. It's interesting. When you break it down, it's quite interesting. So they went to the police, told this all to the police, and I love this. Then they drove back out there with the police following them to go check it out and see what's going on. They all went back out there about 2 a.m., couldn't find anything. But the police believed them enough to follow them out there and be like, okay, let's go see what they're talking about. I would have loved to see or love to hear that conversation. Like, how do you convince them? No, we're not on drugs. Listen, we know what time period it is. We know we were just doing some shit out there. We probably should not have been doing. We were then flying down the street 100 miles an hour in our car. But I swear to you, this is real. Like, I would love to hear that. I know. 
Okay, so on November 16th, the newspaper published an article where the four people gave their account of what happened. And the title of that article was called Couples See Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. And that spread nationwide. And everyone was like, what the fuck? So going back a second, we're going to go back to November 15th, the same night that these four people saw Mothman, which I want to say also, I completely forgot this. So when Roger and Linda and Steve and Mary were driving away from the creature, they could hear a a loud high-pitched noise coming from the creature. Okay. So Centerpoint, West Virginia, on that same night, Merle Partridge was watching TV, started cutting out on him and creating a herringbone pattern and then making a horrible high-pitched noise. At the same time, his dog, a German shepherd named Bandit, started howling outside. So, one account says that Partridge turned off the TV and went outside. He later, when talking to another reporter about this, years and years later, said, no, I didn't turn the TV off. The TV exploded. What? (laughs) So, the first time he told this story, it was to someone who was known to exaggerate facts. So they went back and interviewed him again, and he was like, no, this is what actually happened. So two slightly different stories with this, but both with the same conclusion. So the TV was either turned off or exploded, one or the other, and then Partridge went outside to see what Bandit was barking at. As he went outside, Bandit took off into the darkness, heading straight towards two giant glowing red eyes. Partridge described these two eyes as looking more like bicycle reflectors. And in the later retelling of this story, he even said there was nothing I like about them and they seemed to be more mechanical. So he then went inside to grab his shotgun and was overcome with so much fear that he could not go back outside to figure out where Bandit went. Because Bandit took off towards this thing. And It's talked about he's a hunter. He's a nighttime hunter. He's used to this. This is not like out of the ordinary for him. But he was overcome with such fear that he could not go back outside, which is another thing that is talked about with a lot of the sightings of Mothman is an overwhelming sense of fear and a hypnosis when looking in the eyes. Wow. Yeah. So the next morning, Bandit had not returned. Partridge followed the tracks that the dog made to the point where the the eyes were. He watched as the tracks went down and then he saw that they circled around. So like Bandit was like circling. Okay. And then they disappeared. He could not find where they went to. They just ended there. It was like someone picked up Bandit and Bandit was never seen again. I hate this story now. (laughs) Actually, no, I like to think that Mothman adopted him. And gave him special Mothman power, so he's still yeah. alive. But it's Mothman alive. needed a buddy. Mothman needed, needed a buddy. A We're going to go with that. I also need a pet. So, you know what, Mothman? I get it. <laughs> I understand stealing someone's dog. <laughs> Kirstie's Mothman. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you haven't seen me and Mothman in the same place. <laughs> That's true. So, over the next three days, there were eight more eyewitness reports, including two volunteer firefighters named Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox, and they said that they saw a very large bird with red eyes. 
On November 27th, 1966, Connie Carpenter was driving home from church when she saw a huge gray figure. She said shaped like a man, but much bigger, at least seven feet tall and had large glowing eyes that felt hypnotic. So I do want to say Connie is a little bit connected to this because Connie was one of the nieces of the main reporters on this story who was also good friends with John Keel, who was the one doing all of the research. So this was not entirely a stranger to John Keel. She's a little bit related, but she had and her own encounter. So Connie was driving home from church, saw a huge gray figure shaped like a man, but bigger. She said it was at least seven feet tall and had large glowing eyes that felt hypnotic. She watched as wings over 10 feet long unfurled, but lifted and then, but then the creature lifted into the air without flapping them, just like the four people in the car said the first night. It then aimed right for her and would have hit her car had she not accelerated at the last minute. The other thing about this is that she went to John to report this and she had a case of conjunctivitis or pink eye. So both of her eyes were swollen and red with conjunctivitis, which lends to a theory that if you are around the creature, you are being affected by some sort of radiation. I, I don't think that's how you get pink eye. So there is actually studies about there's a certain type of radiation that if you are exposed to it can affect you in that way that you get like your eyes swell up and they have like that type of reaction. How common is that radioactivity? I don't that know. Radiation? I don't know. I'm just saying I feel like that is a really <laughs> wild excuse to explain why you have pink eye. Well, it was in both eyes. Because I just, I don't know. I feel like... Did they have a chance to talk to each other? Like, or did she read any reports or whatever about well, like what the kids said? Because putting on my skeptic hat, because at least one of us should have one on at this point. No, no, no. I agree. And that's why I kind of mentioned. So here's the thing. Okay. Bonnie is the niece of Mary Heyer, who was the newspaper reporter for the Athens Messenger. She's one of the people who wrote a lot of the articles about Mothman. She was also really good friends with John Keel, the one who was investigating all of them. So like if they all talked, as fun as it is to believe, I feel like that is an indicator to me. They all gathered around their little car by the igloos and said, okay, here's what we're gonna say. Penguin walk, 10 foot wings, goes straight up, no flapping. They all shook on it. And now we have Mothman. Well, but there's more people who had the same sightings because the Merle Partridge saw the same thing and he's in a different town. That's fair. But there are the two articles... volunteer firefighters. So here's the other thing about John Keel is John tried very hard to not, he would purposefully detain information and not let all of it out so that people couldn't like hoax him. And he would purposely try to make sure that like people didn't know things. But in this instance, I do think that it is weird that the niece of the reporter has this story. I will agree with you, skepticism, because the other thing is this story that she's talking about happened in the middle of the day. But there was also another story that I didn't include. I didn't get all the information on, but they talked about it in Astonishing Legends. There was a blood mobile truck 
where two people were in that truck and they had a giant creature land on top of it and reach two arms around it in the area. So like when I say there's over a hundred sightings, there's over a hundred different stories about this. So yeah, again, the basics of the basics here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm skeptical, Mr. Mothman. Cause one of us needs to wear the skepticism hat and that's gotta be me. Cause I'm not telling the story. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm fairly skeptical about, I, I would say those four people probably saw what they saw. If they were on drugs, I don't know. If they were, you know, having a fun time, I don't know. But I would say probably genuine. Like, they were known around town as good kids who never caused trouble, which is why the police believed them. They were like, oh, these are kids who are like that. Okay, we're going to go trust them. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So some of the ways that people have tried to explain this away. The Mason County Sheriff, George Johnson, said that he actually thought it was a large heron. The largest of large herons is not seven feet tall. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, that's too big. Others said that it was potentially a barred owl. I don't think owls get seven feet either. No, owls. That's the thing is no bird gets that big. Okay, I guess another theory is a pterodactyl. And I'm like, that's also not realistic. Like, I don't know. Nessie, if Loch Ness Monster, if Nessie is supposed to be a dinosaur as well, I don't remember what kind. I think that there could be a singular pterodactyl remaining. I would disagree with that because I think the ocean breeds a lot more things staying alive than the land. That's fair. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the explanations. Again, there is also so many alien sightings at the exact same time in alien encounters. And there was a whole rabbit hole about the conjunctivitis being from alien abductions because other people also reported conjunctivitis after sightings. So again, there is a lot and I am doing the basic of the basic primer. So this went on from November of 1966 to December of 1967. Now, current, current day, Mothman is considered to be a possible warning for future disaster. There's a few examples of this. On December 15th, 1967, we are going to go to the Silver Bridge between Point Pleasant, West Virginia and Gallipolis, Ohio. It's rush hour. The bridge is packed. And there was a faulty piece on this bridge and because it was packed and holding too much weight it was like holding over double the weight it was made to hold the bridge collapsed and within 60 seconds all of those cars that were on the bridge were in the freezing river below oh no it resulted in the death of 46 people with two people never being found and People said that amongst the wreckage, you could see bright spots of color as Christmas presents floated in the water. That's so depressing. Yeah. Rescue efforts did what they could, but again, it was freezing water. A lot of people didn't survive from it. Also, after this incident, the Mothman sightings came to a stop. There were no more Mothman sightings. Mothman was also sighted in Chernobyl days before the nuclear disaster. What? Yeah. 
By who? By the people in Chernobyl. Multiple sightings of Mothman days before the disaster. Now hold on, because there's this one as well. There's also reports of Mothman being sighted in New York City in the first week of September of 2001. Stop it. Stop. (laughs) No. Yeah. There is a rumor that you can quote unquote see Mothman in the pictures of the towers falling. That's fucking Photoshop. But there were reports of people seeing Mothman in the days leading up to September 11th. Like at the towers or just around New York? Around New York. I don't know for sure if it was around the towers specifically. but So people think that Mothman will try to scare you away from an area so that you avoid the disaster. (laughs) Like it would already be terrifying enough to see something seven feet tall with ten foot wings. But then I'm going to be paranoid for like the next week and a half. Like what's going to happen? What's the bad thing that's going to happen? So here's a little bit. I'll give you a little bit of a taste of what else happens with John Keel. So John Keel has a a, at a certain point in all of this, he creates a collection of people that are his connections. And these are people who have had different various various sightings throughout this year. And He's getting messages from some entity through these connections with little to no reason for why these connections would know this information. And some some of the things that he was told was that there was going to be a bridge collapse. There was going to be a power outage in New York City after a president lit a Christmas tree and that a pope was going to be assassinated by someone in black robes in a Middle Eastern airport. There was an attempt to assassinate the Pope in a Middle Eastern airport by a man in black robes. It was unsuccessful, but there was an attempt. And it was years later after John Keel was told this by his quote-unquote sources. And again, this was the point that I was like, I'm not even going to try to get into this. If you want to know more, I would say go... Watch the documentary that's on Netflix, read the book Mothman Prophecies, listen to Astonishing Legends, but like there is so much more that goes into this that I could talk to you about this for hours. Yeah, no, I will be uh, looking more into Mothman. I have a lot of questions that we don't have time for the answers. Yeah, it's there's. Again, and I I kept to reports that were more cryptozoology and less alien because that's the part that I was like, okay, this will be a good little insert into things that people already kind of know. We'll go into it. And then, yeah, I do have some good news for you, though. Oh, good. Point Pleasant holds a Mothman Festival every third weekend of September, which includes guest speakers, hayride tours of notable areas, and a pancake eating contest. Can we go next year? Absolutely. Yes. It is required that we go, actually. Yes. 100% we, required. We can do a fun little tour where it's just us performing for each other because we're not going to be famous by that time. Or will we? We um, will. Manifest. We're manifesting. So our first tour next September, we're planning it. We're manifesting it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we should start with the 
Mothman Festival and then go through and only tour during these big holidays, stop through Salem, but not during October because the town is not prepared for the influx of people during October, Uh, but November is apparently a good time to go. I've been to Salem in October and it it's go to Salem in a month that is not October. Honestly, I've heard November is really good to get the spooky Halloween vibes. Um, But it's so much easier to just do things. Well, like I, I went in the middle of October. I did not even go for Halloween and I didn't even know this happens to end up there the same day that they were doing in a huge fall festival in the whole town. So they had different people dressed up. They had a whole entire festival going on and I just ended up there (laughs) that day. So I haven't even gone to actually experience Salem itself normally. Let's start the manifestation start, tour. Yep. We, That's the we're manifestation gonna, we're tour. gonna call it the we manifest <laughs> this tour. And it's gonna start and we're gonna start it so we can go see the Mothman Festival. Let's yes. go. So yeah, that's the most basic of basic, barely touch the surface of Mothman. And I will link all of my sources in the show notes. Um and once again, shout out to Astonishing Legends. They helped me out a lot and I really enjoy that podcast and they do a really wonderful job so yeah wow that's it the end that was great I loved learning about Mothman thank you I didn't know about the alien thing I feel like everyone kind of keeps it cryptozoological everyone I feel like keeps it very cryptozoological which is kind of why I was like okay I'll focus on that but the more I was listening the more I was like oh freaking aliens yeah all right are you ready to jump in to my story are you ready for this I I'm so ready. What is it? Tell me what we're talking about. Okay. I can't wait. Hold on. First, first. Okay. I do want to start us off with a little appetizer of a story to really Ooh, wet your appetite for why I chose this story. Okay. So take a journey appetize with me. Appetize me. Okay. We're, take, we're going on a journey. Okay? Going on a journey. We, we are going to University of Colorado in the town of Boulder, Colorado okay okay great little town super fun gorgeous flat irons beautiful um there's some really fun restaurants one of them oh yeah one of them being on the campus so i did not go to the university of colorado i'm not a buff however um my younger brother went there dr boyfriend went there his sister went there his brother-in-law went there. Um, a lot of friends went Jesus. to Boulder. Okay. I did get accepted into Boulder. I do want that on record, uh, but I decided to go to Wyoming instead. Anyway, do that's you regret not that decision? Um, no, I don't. I'm very happy with the choice that I made. Um, sometimes I wish I could, like, I wish I could go back, but I also just want to go back to college in general because it was so much easier. Anyway. You and I had very different college experiences. Holy shit. Well, I didn't get an art degree. I did marketing, so. I I had someone tell me one time that my bachelor, with how much work I had to do, it was equivalent to getting a master's. Um, I just made up presentations and used Canva all day. So anyway, loved Wyoming. Boulder is very fun. Um, I love Boulder. Yeah. One of the restaurants, though, 
on campus. Yes. One of the restaurants. It was opened in the mid 60s, 1960s. Okay. And the Ooh. university said, students, you get to name it. We want you guys to feel included in the school. We want you to feel part of this community. Name it. One rule has to be important to Colorado's history. And they're going back and forth, I'm assuming. I'm sure it was a very serious conversation between all of the students. Uh, but they get together and they decide to name it the Alfred Packer Grill. Do you know who Alfred Packer is? I don't, but I think I looked at that restaurant when trying to find a place to eat with my mom and sister in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to have friends for lunch. I do not know who Alfred Packer is. So they talk about this on the tour. Uh, they bring okay. it up and they love to have people Google it. So okay. I will tell you a little bit about him and it okay. will make a lot of sense why I chose him to tell you for our spooky stories. Okay. I'm so excited. Tell me everything. So he was born January 21st, 1842 in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. So very close to Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, he was a prospector and self-proclaimed wilderness guide. So he would take people through the mountains and he was very famously part of a expedition through the San Juan mountains in Colorado, where he was the only person who survived. He's the only survivor on that trip. I'm sorry. He, what happened to the rest of them? Oh, he ate them. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he did what? In 1874, Alfred Packer admits to eating the other five members of his party through the expedition to cannibalism. At, at once? What? What? Yeah, I'm telling you all about the Colorado cannibal today. That is the story. Oh my fucking God. Oh, it gets better from here. Buckle How? up. Okay, I'm buckled. Tell me this everything. This story is in sane okay tell me so like i said born 1842 he is one okay. of three children does not get along with his family they are not friends they do not like each other so when he's in his mid-teens alfred packs up moves to minnesota and starts working as a shoemaker he says i hate my parents so much i am moving to uh minnesota We're it's not a phase here. mom it's who i am yep midwest emo let's go Pennsylvania wants to be part of Midwest emo so bad. So true. I just have to say that. So Anyways. I will say, um, yeah, so he was born in Pennsylvania. His family does move to Indiana at one point. So he does get like the Midwest emo truly by living in Indiana. But then he okay. moves on to Minnesota. He serves in the Union Army during the Civil War, but he has epilepsy. So after eight months, he is discharged because he continues to have seizures. He goes to Iowa and tries to enlist again but is again discharged for the same reason. Okay, Captain America, what the fuck? He is insistent, let's go, I need to serve my people. He is a part of the union, so he's against slavery. So, you know, points for that. Okay. Uh, but over the next nine years after he's discharged from the army again, he is just going around and he is doing odd jobs left and right, doing whatever, because he cannot hold a job down for more than a few months at a time. Nobody likes this guy. Oh, why? He is... Um, I mean, he has seizures all the time, so already kind of like 
this is like 1800s. So if you're having seizures all the time, you're really not going to be super great to work with. But also he's an asshole. This is the man who survived. Yeah. Who's the cannibal. The seizure? What? I'm sorry. I would have just waited for him to have a seizure and fucking knocked him out or something. I don't know. Why is he eating people? I'm so stressed about this. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I cannot wait. It gets even (laughs) crazier. Oh, God. Okay. So people do not like working with him. He's an asshole. He's a liar. He's lazy. He complains all the time. He's having seizures. So it's... He's just a burden to work with. So he doesn't keep a lot. He doesn't keep his job for more than a few months. Um, He decides that he is now a nature guide. He is not a nature guide. He is not good at what he does. He decides that? He wakes up one morning, says, I'm a guide. That's what I'm going to do now. And he makes his way to Colorado. He would have thrived in influencer culture. Oh, he would have been great. So he did try mining uh, briefly, but he didn't get rich from mining. But that's how he has was in Colorado and making his way over to Utah. Uh, again, Gold Rush era, so people are all trying to flock to Colorado. He did not make any money, so he's moving on over to Utah. Most people who actually did Gold Rush, like mining for gold, didn't make the money. It was the people selling the supplies that made the money in the Gold Rush. No, incredibly true. So he wasn't making any money. I'm sure he was just going to go sell his gear or whatever he had. Uh, but he didn't have much because... November 1873 in Brigham, uh, Brigham Canyon, Utah. There are 20 men gathered together. They do not know each other very well, but they say, hey, let's go to Breckenridge. Let's go mine some gold. Let's get stinking rich. So they all head out. Um, they run into Packer on the way out of Utah. And Packer says, hey, can I join you? They take one look at him with the seizures, having no money, having no food, and they say no. We're good. Thank you so much, though. Packer lies and says, I'm a guide. I know the San Juan Mountains like the back of my hand. I know how to get you there. And no one else in this 20 party people with 20 party of 20 people, none of them know San Juan, the San Juan Mountains. So they say, yep, sure. I guess we'll bring you. We need a guide. How so what great are you telling this? me is there's 21 idiots? Yes, that is exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, okay. Because Packer was lying. He doesn't know. Um, and then he immediately, once he is accepted onto this group, he starts picking fights with everybody. He oh my God. is not getting along with anyone. They all hate him. Girl. Um, he's take, he's being super greedy with all of the rations. He's lady, lazy. He's picking fights with everybody. Um, nobody likes him. And there is one person on this expedition, Preston Nutter, and he is quoted by calling him a whining fraud. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, Winter is really coming in. It's making things worse. They were taking the Spanish trail, but it was getting really difficult for them to navigate because winter, snow blindness, they don't know this area. So they're getting lost, confused. Right. And they can only rely off of their compasses. Again with the fucking compasses. Again with the compasses. So Packer so these is... These 21 idiots are relying on their compasses. Yep, so the 21 idiots are relying on their compasses. 
And the inexperience that Packer has is really starting to show. They're lost. They are out of food. They were starting to resort to eating horse feed, then starting to eat the horses. Oh, no. But luckily, Uh January 1874, they run into Chief Ure. Now, uh, this is a the Ute Indian tribe. Okay. They see them. The party was kind of like, ooh, we look pretty rough. They are probably not going to accept us, but they are welcome into the camp. Open arms. Here's some food. Here's some water. Here's where you can stay. Oh, my God. Come put your feet up by the fire. Warm up. Get fed. You're safe now, basically. Wow. Uh, Chief Uray also said, hey, what you're trying to do, super dangerous. Don't do it. Do not leave until spring. You will die in these mountains if you try to leave. Why are they trying to go through these mountains in the winter? Gold rush. They want to get to Breckenridge as fast as possible to start making money. God, 21 fucking idiots. Yep. (laughs) Instead of 21 pilots, it's 21 idiots. (laughs) That's the, yeah. So (laughs) he's also saying, hey, you are allowed to stay here until spring, by the way. Food, resources, everything. You are allowed to use them. Just stay here until spring so you don't die. So they stayed for a while. amazing. Yeah, no, he's great. Chief Uray, great. They stay for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But people are starting to get nervous because Breckenridge only has so much gold. As you just said, not many people are making it rich. It's the people selling the mining gear who are making it rich. They were getting ready to go. They want to go get some gold. So half of the party decide they want to go and half the party has to stay behind with the wagon and whatever remaining horses that they have so 11 men say you know what i got nothing here let's head out chief ure said okay have fun good luck um here's the path to take do not stray from this path if you stray from this path against the river you will die please follow this path here are directions i'm giving you directions but begging you to stay until spring okay packer decided that was a stupid way to go he knows these mountains better than chief Uray. he doesn't he does not i am angry yeah so he says no i know a better way how does he know at this point everyone knows that he doesn't know a better way right that's like common knowledge here. You would think. At this point, you oh would God. think. But 21 idiots. He led them to the oot. So, again, no, half of the men have to stay with the tribe because they have wagons and horses and they can't make it through. So, okay, so we're down to 11. So now we're down to 11. 10 if we exclude Packer. No, I'm, he's included in the idiots. No, yes, but we're excluding Packer for the next okay. split. Because five okay. of the men said, we do not trust Packer. He's an idiot. Yeah. We are going to follow Chief Ure um, and, like, whatever he said. We are going to follow his direction. So they leave first. Okay, okay. these five men. They go out first. The five and, lesser idiots. Yeah, the five, I would say, slightly smarter guys. Well, except no, because they're trying to go through the pass in the winter. So still yeah. idiots. Yeah, still stupid, but, but better. Um, they did run out of food. They almost froze to death because the weather got worse, conditions got worse, um, almost froze to death. But they were saved by cowhands at the government cattle camp, and they stayed with them until April. 
So they're staying at the cattle camp until April uh, when they got lucky twice. So 21 idiots. Yep. So those five men gone. They're now at the cattle camp. Okay. Five, five men in a cattle camp, 10 men with the horses and wagons with the Ute tribe. Horses and wagons. Now we have the remaining five men and Packer. They all say, well, Packer's got us this far. Why not? Packer has not gotten us anywhere. Packer, Packer got us this far. Us- Packer didn't get you anywhere. He seems to know where he's going. So The biggest idiots of them all. It was noted in a lot of the sources that I was reading, which we can also put in the podcast notes, whatever. No one objected when the guide said that they were leaving. Like of the 10 people who were remaining, no one was like, hey, maybe Packer should stay with us. Actually, he's the guide. Everyone was done with him at this point. They were like, go ahead leave he's not even Take a him. real guide to them he is how, how would they know because he said he knew it so what what's he doing lying to us what is he a pathological liar yes so at this point they still thought that he was actually a guide he was just an asshole too yes okay i'm i still hate it so the party is now alfred packer shannon wilson uh shannon wilson bell okay. james humphrey Frank Butcher Miller, George California Noon, and Israel Swan. I'm sorry, George California Noon is the best fucking name I've ever heard. It's a pretty good name. That is a cowboy name if I've ever heard one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, So they go along to the river, as advised by Ure, and until, like, they keep going, someone is leading them, like, partially down the trail raise instructions until the road gets too bad the horse has to turn back with this guy on it to go back to the camp and they say goodbye good luck have fun okay yeah so they go up the river uh packer took him instead of going down um and continuing to follow Uray's advice and warnings and directions packer takes them up the san juan mountains so takes them up instead of going down direction Uh uh-huh so so angry at this guy it is assumed they made this decision because they didn't have enough food they didn't have any so snowshoes they only had a few matches they had no flint they did not have clothes to stay warm enough as far as weapons they had two rifles one pistol some knives a hatchet and very little ammunition for aforementioned guns why did they not take food they didn't have a lot of food like they did not have much food. Why? You were in a camp with food. Why didn't you pack food? So we're gonna jump ahead two months into the future. Two months? Because we do not know what happened in these two months. We're jumping ahead two months. Okay. okay. Because two months later. So when is that? When are we? So they we they left uh probably around like February. So we are jumping forward two months. So we're like hitting April. April. Okay. Things are thawing. Yeah. Things are thawing out. Things are getting a little bit easier. Packer comes stumbling out of the woods into Los Pinos Indian Agency. He has rags on his feet. He has a rifle, a knife, a steel coffee pot, and a satchel. And he is begging them for food and water. He is begging them like, please, I am in desperate need of food and water right now i've been dying out here in the woods so everyone in the um, indian agency is like 
yeah, dude, here, sure. What the fuck? Um, here you go. Give him food and water. He is eating so quickly that he is vomiting everything up as well. So as fast as he is eating, he is also vomiting everything. Is that I see? And to me, I'd be like, I if you're starved, like if you've been starved, and I don't maybe I'm talking out of my ass for this. Don't don't source me on this. Don't quote me. I don't anyways. Don't source me. Um, don't source me on this. Um if someone is starved for a long period of time, you have to get used to eating food again and like working your way up to it because your body will reject it because it's so not used to it, right? I guess. So I guess to me, like him throwing it back up is not that surprising to me. If No. That's not that surprising. Yeah. Um he then takes several shots of whiskey and starts telling everyone what happened over the two months that we had to just kind of gloss over. Okay. So he said that the five men hired him as a guide. That part is true. He became snowblind and was starting to lag behind the rest of the party because he was becoming too much of a burden to him, to them. Packer says that Israel Swan gave him the rifle and then abandoned him. He survived on his own in the mountains with no supply, like almost no supplies, and ate very little else than roots and rosebuds the entire time. I'm sorry, it's winter. Where are the fucking rosebuds? The minute the agency thought this was weird, huh. they did not like this story. They thought it was really strange because Packer also did not look malnourished. Um, and he also did not look as threadbare as other people who had ha wandered into the camp or like wandered in. From the woods he didn't um, look malnourished no he was described as having a bloated face and hardly skeletal well so then why is he throwing up food seems like he ate something that uh disagreed with him so he's eating this food and then immediately throwing it up that's what reports say but he doesn't look malnourished correct is he still having seizures one could assume how bad were his seizures how did he survive in the winter? I have so many questions. Here's the thing. I was also wondering if he had this many, this many seizures, how was he able to survive on his own? Never, never comes up. Do you think he was faking the seizures? I don't think so, because he was getting fired and kicked out of the army. Like, it was making it more difficult for him to exist in society. So I don't think he was faking the seizures. Yeah, but it also sounds like he makes it hard for him to exist in society even without mm, That's that. also true. So he stayed in the agency for a little while, um, but then he just kept telling people he wants to go back to Pennsylvania. He is done with Colorado. He's done with Utah. He's done with the mountains. He wants to come back to Pennsylvania, but he has no money. So he sells the rifle for $10 and he then goes to the next town over. So watch, he goes to Sawatch for supplies with his $10. Okay. Now. When he's in town, he rolls up to the saloon and he starts spending money left and right. The owner says during his stay, he paid $100, offered to lend the saloon owner $300. Um, and then he spent $78 in the general store while running up huge bar tabs all over town. How did he get that from $10? Apparently he has several different wallets on him. And he's just using all sorts of different wallets everywhere he goes. I don't like that. 
People around town start gossiping because, like I said, Packer's getting drunk and he will talk to anyone who will listen. And interestingly enough, uh, details about his story start changing. Oh, And shocked. they don't, don't quite add up. Um, and he's spending money all over the place. And no one seems to have heard from the other five members of his party. Did these people know that those other five members were with him? So they knew that he was with people because he said that he was abandoned by them. Right. Okay. So they know about it. Um, and wouldn't you know it? Well, Packer is in the bar drinking. Who shows up? But Preston Nutter, one of the guys from... My boy! Your boy shows my, up! My boy Preston! Your boy I Preston knew he shows was, I knew up. he was my favorite for a reason. Where Preston he hears... Boy. Yeah, Preston boy. He shows up and hears Packer telling his story. Preston goes up and is like, what are you talking about? And Packer says like that um, they had to set up camp. A winter storm was coming. He tried to keep warm while the others went to look for food. Israel Swan had left him with his rifle in case of trouble, and these guys just never returned. So instantly, that is a different story than what I told you. Yeah, I was going to say, that's completely different than what he said the first He's time. He's changing his story left and right. This is a completely different story than what he told people at the Los Pinos Agency, uh, Indian Agency. Now yeah. in Sawatch, he's telling people that, oh, there was, you know, my feet got wet. I had to sit by the fire, guard the food. I had a rifle. They never came back. They abandoned him. Um, so he was forced to leave the little campsite, which is when he started to survive on the rosebuds and roots and occasionally squirrel. Uh, he did start adding squirrel to his story. How did he get the squirrel? You and Preston have something in common where you both think that this is a bullshit story. God, me and Preston on the same fucking page. You and Preston are like, this is bullshit. This man is full of bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. So bullshit. As Nancy Wheeler would say. As Nancy Wheeler would say, bullshit. <laughs> um, Preston's like, why would he give him a rifle? Why would a group of four people go off with only one rifle if they're trying to hunt? Um, he also noticed that Packer had a knife that belonged to Frank Miller. Um, and like when asked about it, like Preston's like, hey, why do you have Frank's knife? Packer goes, oh, he just stuck it into the side of a tree and walked off. So I guess he didn't want it anymore. Now it's mine. This guy's really bad at lying. Also, he has five wallets. Yeah. So Nutter, um, Preston Nutter is saying, nope, there, you are a liar. There's no way that this story is true. I'm going to have right. you hanged for your crimes. You did something and Thank I'm going to prove it. Thank you, Preston. This is why you're my favorite. Yep. Packer says, well, I guess it's time for me to go. And then he starts making plans to get out of town. That's dumbass. Yep. Now, we are back at the Indian, the Los Pinos Indian Agency, where the other five men who left the, by the cowhands, uh, rescued by cowhands, they show up at the Indian Agency. Uh, they meet with the head of the agency, who is General Charles Adams. And General Charles Adams goes, hey, I just met your guide, Packer. Uh, he said that your buddies just ditched him in the mountains and, like, he was left for dead. Isn't that crazy? And they all immediately say, no, that's bullshit. Absolutely not. No way is that true. No. 
they start discrediting Packer, saying that he's a liar. Um, they start like going through all the stuff that would have belonged to the other party. Uh, so they immediately say, no, this is bullshit. They discredit Packer and everything. They go through all of his stuff saying, no, this belonged to this person. This belonged to this person. Um, and they're saying something bad has to have happened. There's no way that these men would have abandoned Packer in the woods. Like he's a piece of shit, but they're good people. Ah. Yeah. So the general goes, uh, maybe we should go get Packer real quick. Maybe we should go <laughs> ask him some questions. <laughs> but they decide we don't want to spook him. We need to get him to come here willingly. Uh, so they lie to Packer saying that they are going to hire him as a guide and get his help to find his missing party members. Okay. I mean, uh, that's going to work because he's that dumb. It works. It works. Uh, but part of the reason why it works is that when they find Packer, he's about to leave because everyone was getting ready to like go on a rampage with uh, Preston. They are ready to try this man to do some vigilante justice. So Packer's like, I'm going to go with the officer and get a safe escort out of town. I choose life. So they go back to the agency but before the officer left, Preston pulls him aside. Is like, hey, I got to talk to you in private. I got to tell you some shit. Okay. So back at the agency, Packer is met by General Adams and everybody else. And they ask him, hey, what happened in the mountains? Tell us the truth. Packer tells his first story again verbatim. And is like, oh, my God, you guys haven't heard from them? What? The crazy where are they what i hate this man i hate this man so you haven't much. heard from them what mm, i hate this the men notice that packer has a ton of money and says hey where did you get that money from and packer says oh some guy in town gave me a loan then the officer starts piping up and is like hey this guy preston nutter told me some stuff you guys want to hear what oh my he told god me. hell yeah preston Preston said that he was, uh, that Packer was spending money all over town. He has all of his stuff that does not belong to him and that belonged to the other people when Packer, and when Packer started, he was broke. This is not his money. Um, but again, Packer doubles down. No, this money was given to me by some guy in town. Some guy gave it to me. It was a loan. Which guy? A guy in money. A guy gave me money. Who? A name, please. Good sir. I'm sure he gives some kind of fake name. I don't know. But they say, okay, well, we're going to go check if you're telling the truth. We're going to go ask if someone gave you gave you a loan. And he's like, yeah, sure. I got nothing to hide. Go ask around town. Do it. I dare you. I, I, idiot. Idiot. Why do guy? I just, why do people do that? Why are they, why do they lie and know they're lying and then go, yeah, I ch go look. Go check. Do it. I don't care. Uh, surprise, surprise, no one in town says that they lent him money. And everyone's like, what do we do? We know Packer did something. How can we prove it? In through the door come two members of the Oot tribe with jerky. They call it white man's flesh that they found on the side of a hill. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm pretty sure this part is all fictionalized for a good story. But... A lot of different sources say the same thing, so I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. But these guys come busting in. They're holding beef jerky, essentially, saying this is 
human flesh. This is human flesh that we found on the side of the hill. Oh my God. Yeah. Packer passes out immediately. He just faints on the spot. He doesn't even... No, he's so panicked he faints. Okay, wait. So I have another question then. Is he... (laughs) I'm so stuck on these epileptic seizures. Is he having seizures in the middle of all this as well? Here's the thing. It's... Again, maybe... They never report on if he's actually having seizures. Should they just say that he faints and when he comes to, he's begging for mercy and that he will sign a full confession. A confession of what? What'd you do there, boy? So everyone is just silently staring at each other like, what just happened? We thought like just, you know, normal murder. What do you guys mean that this is human flesh? So it's just silent for a second. And Packer is quoted by saying it would not be the first time that people had been um, obligated to eat each other when they were hungry. Okay, I, I mean, he's not wrong. This shit, I mean, the amount of stories that I've listened to podcasts about this happening in the fucking outback of Australia. Yeah. There's that one other pass incident where they ate each other as well. Donner party. Donner party. All I could think of was the Dietlov Pass, and I was like, that's the Russian one where they all went insane. That's not the- <laughs> Different. Different. So, yeah, um, he just says, we had to do it, um, and this begins the first of his many different versions of the story and his very different confessions. Hold on, I just remembered. What did you remember? A restaurant after this guy? He, he sh- yeah, we sure did. Have a friend leave. for I lunch. Gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta go! Oh! I oh gave you a God! little appetizer of a story before this one. I have to. I'm leaving. I'm taking my headphones off. You finish this. I'll. Oh. Okay. I'll just read the rest of this to the podcast uh, <laughs> listeners. I still have to edit it. Yeah. No, we're not even at the craziest part. This trial is the craziest part. We oh haven't even, we are just a, the first of many confessions. Okay. Tell me his first confession. <clears throat> so, his first confession the men had left Ure's camp with what they thought was going to be enough food, but they ran out very quickly. They survived on days, uh, or they survived for days on roots from the ground, pine gum, rosebuds, and occasionally a rabbit. After a few days of no wildlife, They just started eating roots, but they were all starting to kind of eye each other a little bit differently, being like, I'm pretty hungry. I'm a full-grown man on a crazy winter expedition. These roots are not cutting it. There was kind of a weird vibe in town, or weird vibe in a camp. They're not in town. Uh, Weird vibe around the party in the mountains for a few days. Then Packer leaves camp to go gather some firewood, and then he returns to find uh, four men around the body of Israel Swan, Israel Swan was struck in the head with a hatchet and killed instantly. And he just conveniently wasn't there for it. Yes. The four men started to Ah. butcher Swan and Packer just rolls with it. He's saying it wasn't his idea. It was the other four men who killed Swan, started butchering him, and he goes, well, when in Rome. He went and roamed this? He went and roamed this. Um, Angry. Yeah. <clears throat> Swan had several thousand dollars on his person, and that was divided amongst all of the men. He had um, several thousand dollars on him? 
Yeah. What? So he had he had a ton of money and some stuff. Uh, Packer took Swan's rifle, so that's how he got the rifle. But then they just uh, consumed parts of his body, packed some up so that they could take him with him, and then they moved on. Then okay. two more days go by, and they run out of meat again. Hunting, impossible. In this economy, they can't I'm sorry. Hunt. They ran out of a grown man's... How fast are they eating this? So they apparently eat them with all within two days, according to this confession. I'm sorry. My family of five made a deer a deer's worth of venison last for six months. So then Packer, I Bell, Humphrey, and Noon decide that Miller was going to be the next person they eat. So they kill him with a hatchet while I'm he was sorry. scooping over for firewood, um, and then he was butchered and consumed. I'm sorry. The five men who hated Packer didn't decide to kill Packer first? No, because he's the guide. Fucking terrible guide. I'd kill the guide. Again, this is the person who survived is telling this confession. I hate okay? everything that's happening here. Okay, continue. So then Packer takes Miller's knife and uh, the money is redistributed. Okay. Humphrey was the next person to be murdered. And then... Uh, George Noon was murdered shortly after that. So all again, all of the belongings are just getting redistributed and split amongst the surviving people, which is how Packer got so much stuff. But now it's just down to Bell and Packer. They pinky swore to each other. They swear to God, they do a pinky promise. They are not going to eat each other and they are not going to tell another person about the cannibalism because no one else is going to think that it was necessary. Because it wasn't. They each had a rifle, they each had half of Swan's money, and they assumed they could figure it out. They're going to get themselves I'm out sorry, of this mess. Are they going to eat the money? They're going to get themselves out of this mess. I, okay. Okay, they're going to figure it out. They're going to get out of this. I'm so angry. Yep. Um, they also agree on a lie that they're going to say the other four men perished from the elements and were buried with dignity. Now, they are gone for a few more days. They have le eaten little else than rabbit and some roots. They're exhausted. They set up camp next to a large lake. And Packer said that after a few more days of camping and starving, uh, Bell snapped. He woke up one night, started screaming he couldn't do it anymore, that one of them was going to die and become food. They, uh, Bell snatched his rifle, sprinted at Packer, ready to deck him with it. Like, hit him with the rifle instead of shooting him. But Packer shot him first and killed Bell. In self-defense. Yes. At this point, he claims the only thing he was afraid of was starving to death. So he ate Bell um, and tried to prepare as much of his body as he could before continuing on his journey. So that he could have his little jerky. His jerky snack for his hike I so he takes this. everything off of bell's person uh he takes all of his goods all of the money whatever uh since now he's you know carrying the equivalent of six people's stuff um yeah pretty much and then he saw on the hill down the hill was the los pinos indian agency he threw away the remaining strips of jerky flesh jerky that he had saved thinking that animals would probably eat them the same animals he couldn't hunt and he also admits that he was hesitant to throw away the strips 
because he was really enjoying the taste of human flesh at that point. Take it back. That is in his first signed confession. Take it back right fucking now. Take that shit. Okay. I can't take it back. You know, I I still need to eat tonight. Hope you got some vegetarian options. I do actually. Oh, I have uh, potato pierogies. Oh, delicious. I'll make some pierogies. Stunning. Stunning. So the five Utah men call bullshit on this, saying Bell was not the kind of person who would kill people like that. He would sacrifice himself first before killing people. Yeah. Um, General Adams asked the two Ute men if they if they knew of this area that Packer had described. Um, the men said, yes, that place definitely is real and is about 50 miles over the hill. Uh, we can take you there. So they send out a search party and the there's the agency clerk, the five people from Utah, some of the officers and Packer acting as a guide yet again to go to this lake that Packer Packer's described. acting as a guide again. Yes. But he is joined by the agency clerk, the five men from Utah um and the agency officers so even though packer is the guide the agency officers and the agency clerk probably know what the fuck they're doing they are gone for two weeks they are gone for two weeks uh where they get to the area of where they get to the area of the lake fork of gunnison river uh where packer claimed that he was lost and the area didn't look right so they get to part of it. Packer's like, oh, this doesn't look familiar at all. I think we're lost, guys. Packer is called a liar and a murderer. And people are insisting that he is hanged then and there. Like, no, this is good enough for me. Hang the bitch. Did they find anything there? They they didn't find anything where they were currently. Nothing was there. Okay. So they turn around and they start to head back to the agency. On the way back, Packer tried to murder someone on the trip with a knife that he concealed, but he was caught immediately and restrained and arrested. The general why? up until... Why Why would you... What, what good desperate. is that going to do? Homeboy was desperate. But General Adams, up until that point, was willing to believe Packer. But like at this point, because he tried to murder one of the officers, he was like, no, you're dangerous. You're going to jail, buddy. I okay. Mm-hmm. So he's taken back to Sawatch and jailed by the sheriff outside of town because the town is so hostile towards him that he's locked away for his own protection. While he is locked up, he keeps changing his story and some of the details. So people are even more convinced now that he's definitely a murderer and it definitely was not in self defense. I'm on the side of the town here. Yeah. I'm on the town side. I'm absolutely 100% on the side of the town. Yeah. So he signs the confession. um, And as soon as he signs, before the ink is even dried, he starts amending the story and changing details and saying, no, it's different for how long we were without food. Um, That's not right. Because he was saying in the confession, it was 10 days out of camp they decided to eat Israel swan. So 10 days they couldn't go without food. 
then it was four or five days after that that they ate Humphreys, so on and so forth. So it was only a few days in between all of this time, but it started pretty quickly. But it doesn't matter because he changed the time frames over and over again. Um, Packer also did confess to taking the valuables of all the deceased members by claiming they no longer needed them. I hate that. Um, and he also did not state how much money was taken nor which exact items he took. I hate that. Yeah. I He's so slimy. He's the slimiest of the slimy. It's gross, right? Very anyway, gross. Anyway, we jump forward to August. We are now in August. Okay. An illustrator by the name John Randolph stumbles onto a site where all he finds all five bodies. I'm sorry. He finds all five bodies and he sketches it out and then reports it. What is this man doing in the woods? He is an illustrator who works for a magazine. So he's just going to go like sketch some pretty pictures, I guess. Traveling. In the middle of the fucking wilderness? Yeah. Well, it's August. So it's normal now to be in the woods. Just enjoying yeah, the mountains. Yeah, but weren't they like really lost up there? Um, Yeah, because of the winter conditions. But it's so not like it people was... don't know how to go around the San Juan Mountains. It's not like people don't know how to get from town to town. Okay. The illustrator is just out. Like, this is a well-known pa like pass, a trail. It's just these people were idiots and had an in uh, incompetent guide. Okay, so, because, like, I was thinking about they weren't even on a trail. They were just in the middle of the fucking wilderness, like, wandering. Because, like, if if they were on a trail, it makes sense. If they weren't on a trail, how the hell did he find them? Yeah. So... He comes across them at Lake Fork of the Gunnison River. It's now known as Dead Man's Gulch. Wonder why. I wonder why. Um, and where he found them did match the original description that Packer gave where he claimed that only Bell died. And the other four had, or the other five had already been killed. So four. the other four should have already been dead, but he found all five bodies there. So instantly Packer's story is wrong and incorrect and he lied. I'm shocked. The Once men were again. So the men were well within hiking distance to the nearby city when they descended Lake For to the Lake Fork instead of going up. So when I said that they went up instead of down, that's exactly where this guy found them. Is when he went up instead of down, you're supposed to go, or you're supposed to go up. They went down. So the illustrator followed you know, what they did, I don't think he was looking for it, but found it anyway. Um, and so found what, you know, found all these guys, uh, sketched it out and reported it. So, Damn. yeah. I can't believe that he didn't just immediately turn, like, to sit there and sketch it out? Yeah, and then he takes the sketch back to Harper's Weekly where he works. Okay. So, you know, because snow had been covering all the bodies in the campsite, everything was melted down so you could see all of it. Um, the cover story for it was Finding the Men. Do you want to know what date the story was released? What day? October 17th, 1874. No. Yes. No. My birthday 
Happy fucking birthday. (laughs) Um, The local coroner and law enforcement went out to the site to check it out, along with about 20 volunteers, uh, discovered the bodies. They were all in various states of decomposition, having been left to the elements and animals for months. First responders did note that there was extreme violence that would have befallen the men, and it was putrid with the smell of death. Yeah. I will not describe in depth what the bodies look like. Um, anyone who wants to know can look that up themselves. I'm not going to describe it here. Yeah, thank you. Please don't. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Um, but I will say the state of the bodies did immediately contradict Packer's story. Um, one, they were all together, not scattered, yeah. scattered across miles. There was enough meat on some of these bodies that should have been eaten by the other men before the next person died he didn't even take all the meat no so there was enough like they were noting like there's a lot of technically edible parts like if you were to butcher an animal you would have tried to eat those first to like try to keep as much as possible uh but that was not the case with this like it was kind of random parts taken from the bodies so it was all kind of like, oh, my God, Packer was absolutely lying. Uh, this is crazy. Here's all of the evidence for how he was lying. They did find kind of like this beaten down path uh, to a makeshift shelter that would have been used by Packer. And he it did have leftover possessions. So he wasn't carrying all six men's possessions, just the stuff he really wanted to keep in the money. Oh, and the rest was kind of okay. at that little shelter. So the newest theory is that Packer killed everyone before the supplies ran out uh, to rob them. And persecution really, like, continues this um, because why else would this guy take them the wrong way in the middle of winter? Why would he agree to it? All of that stuff. Um, Oh, Preston, still around. He did accompany the party and he did identify the bodies as all missing men. So it was confirmed. Oh, no. oh. Yes. Oh. Um, and then he's also able to point out, like, that belongs to this person, this belongs to that person. So he does kind of help out the police in that way and, like, the yeah. investigators, because I guess they're not technically police. They'd be, like, sheriff department and officers. Oh, it's the Wild West. It's the yeah. literal Wild West. Who it's knows? literally the Wild West. So they all go back to Packer's jail to confront him. But here's the thing. The jail is not like a jail cell. It's actually a cabin on a ranch property owned by the sheriff. And because months had gone uh, gone by without formal evidence, without finding the bodies, and without formal charges, uh, people were starting to get really pissed off that their tax dollars were going to housing him and keeping a guard on him at all times. So, someone helps Packer escape. Someone gives him a makeshift key for his handcuffs, gives him some supplies, and lets him make an easy escape. Who's that? F- who is that motherfucker? I'll need to talk to them. Packer never says who helped him or why. Took it that to his grave. Mother, we have fucker. no idea. But when they get back, they like Packer's not there, but the town still is. He is on the lam now because the town thinks he is a murderer and a thief because he is. Um, They know that he's a liar. 
They know that he lied about his skill set. So even if he wasn't a murderer and a thief, it was still his incompetence that led to the death of those men. So he should be hanged for that at least. They said, your criminal negligence, death penalty. Oh, yeah. Criminal negligence at the bare fucking minimum here. Yes. Um, people are going around. They are discredited, like from the original party. Uh, they are discrediting Packer's skills as a guide. He's telling everyone who will listen about all of his character flaws and how often he was changing the story. Um, local papers are reporting on the incident. Everyone and their mother knows everything about Packer and the entire town is after this man. And whoever the hell set him free. Again, we don't know who set him free. Uh, so they're like, guys, what the hell? Why would you do that? Packer's still gone. Oh my um, God. Which, a little fun fact for you. Cannibalism is not illegal. So they cannot charge him with acts of cannibalism. They would have to charge him with murder and then cannibalism is how they would describe the desecration desecration and abuse of the corpses. Yeah, I actually knew that because I heard yeah. a story one time of someone who willingly was like, I will let you eat me. Yeah, and cannibalism like is not illegal. Now, caveat, it's really difficult to pull off cannibalism without getting arrested in some way, shape, or form. Because usually uh, it's desecrating a corpse or it's I, murder. I actually heard this story one time. I believe this story was told on Reddit. So take that with so many grains of salt. I don't know how real it is. But a guy had something happen to him where his foot had to get amputated. And he asked the hospital, he was like, hey, can I have my foot? And they gave him his foot. Ew. And then he had people, he had friends come over and they all knew what it was going to be. They all knew what was happening. He had a chef friend prepare the meat and they had human flesh tacos. Disgusting. It was all consensual. It was all legal. But apparently that happened. Disgusting. Anyway, nine years we are looking over montana what? we are overlooking arizona we are overlooking colorado no idea where packer is nine years nine years go by holy shit yeah we have no idea where he is anyway let's look at uh wyoming cheyenne wyoming march 11th 1883 because no. now i want to talk to you about john schwartz who you guessed it is actually Alfred Packer in disguise. Oh my God. Also, I just want to say mm -hmm. March 11th is a, f a birthday of one of my high school friends. The one who came up with Cinco de Margo. That's fantastic. Right? Wow, so many fun little invisible strings tying you. So many invisible strings tying us together. <laughs> Through cannibalism stories. Uh. Anyway, so he is discovered because some like a random guy from the original party heard him laughing in a bar said holy shit that's Alfred Packer <laughs> and then Packer goes up to him and is like hey can I buy some supplies off of you my guy did he not wreck it what the fucking no apparently it was just some guy who was part of like that original troop who stayed behind like the 10 guys who had to stay behind with the horses and the wagons and whatever. It was yeah. one of those guys. So he's like, I have no idea who this man is. I haven't seen him in years. 
it's been a decade. So yeah, you don't remember him. I would, I would be that person that gets identified 10 years later by my laugh. Yeah. Uh, I would be that So person. Packer is immediately reported to the town sheriff. He's taken into custody. General Adams is notified. He's pa- taken to Denver on a train where he signed his second confession. Oh, God. Packer was asked, why did you run away? And he says, I was really afraid of mob justice. And... um. I, you know, I don't want to say I was afraid for my life. So I peaced out. Um, he, slimy. yeah, no, it's slimy. It's slimy. So the crime, since the crime was committed within the confines of Hinsdale County, rather than Sawatch County, Packer was sent to Lake City for detention and prosecution. His new confession said that Bell had killed the other men. And after Bell told him to go scouting uh, for any way out of the mountains and to find food, like, that's why he was gone. He came back after that. And that's when Bell had killed them and was eating some meat. And Packer was like, what? Then Bell attacked Packer. There was a fight where he had to kill Bell. And then he got trapped by a snowstorm. So he ate all of the meat as needed to survive. So lying still. General Adams said, why didn't you tell me this before? And Packer says, I was excited. I wanted to say something. And the story, as I told it, came first to my mind. That I hate. I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. Okay. So the prosecution, like I said a little bit earlier, they are arguing that this had to be murder. This had to be premeditated murder. There's no other reason why he would do this kind of journey. There is no logic why he'd put himself at risk. He was tr- planning to kill these people. Well, but also, like, you literally s- said, so his first confession was, all these bodies are spread out. Yeah. So then they all are found together, and he goes, oh, well, I just, like, that was the first story that came to mind. Why yeah. didn't you tell the truth instead? Like, if you're telling the truth it's not going to be a story like doesn't make any sense so this trial lasts for seven days he's found guilty he pleads non-guilty by the way uh Uh. he's found guilty for premeditated murder and is sentenced to be hanged on may 19th 1883 cool great right except here's the thing oh no something pretty important happened between the first year that packer was arrested in 1874 and the year 1883 do you want to guess what that is statute of limitations no colorado became a state oh my god so his lawyers went hey colorado just became a state meaning that uh murder statutes on the books for 1874 had been repealed and replaced what the fuck does that mean? So they were repealed and replaced with a savings clause, meaning he was spared for being tried for murder on a technicality. Who wrote that law? Who wrote that law? That's the dumbest law I've ever heard. What is so the they reason? Said, because it wasn't a state. So we, the government, the U.S. government, cannot sentence a man 
to death for committing a crime if it indeed incurred before Colorado officially became a state opposed to a territory. So the Colorado Supreme Court reversed the sentence in October 1885. So Packer's just hanging out in jail for a few years while all of this is being decided and figuring out what to do because technically it's a mistrial because they can't try him because it was a territory, not a state, but he was charged when it was a territory, not a state, but that's not how the law works. If there was a crime, the U.S. government can't sentence a man to death. So it was a technicality. He gets a second trial because of okay. this. Okay. His lawyers say we need a new location and a new judge because this shit, there's no way there's going to be a fair trial. It's granted. So again, second trial, he pleads not guilty. And instead of being convicted for murder, he was convicted of five counts of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 80 or to 40 years in prison which is eight years for each count. And that was the maximum sentence allowed per count at the time. I guess that's good. They're trying to fight against it. They are trying to be like, no, he had to. There's no other option. Local hunters and local officials both went on record to say, well, yes, the winter of 1874 was pretty hard. There was still plenty of game and wildlife and animals to hunt during that time he also had he stayed by the river you know instead of going the wrong way um he would have been by the river which would have been a fresh water source it would have had plenty of fish and it would have like given them directions on where to go so packer was screwed there is no way he's getting out of this one so he accepts the sentence but he says he will only accept it for murder and only for the murder of bell who is the only person he admits to killing, and then he serves his sentence in the Canyon City Penitentiary. Did he get out? Would you like to know the rest of the story? Because the story doesn't end there. Oh my god, that's not the end of the fucking story? That's not the end of the story. He appeals five times to be released. I hate this man. He is rejected each time. Good. But... He only serves 18 years of his sentence before being given parole. No. He is given He is given parole because one of his friends, Dwayne Hatch, petitioned to have Packer released. Then, because of all of the petitioning, Polly Pry, who was a reporter for the Denver Post, gets involved. And she goes, This guy? This Packer fella? He seems interesting. I'm going to go tell his story. No. I'm going to just tell his story. I'm going to hear his side of it. Two sides to every story. I'm so mad. So she starts talking about his life, how he served in the army, how he's just some common dude down on his luck who got caught in a regrettable situation. He's a victim of circumstance. He had to survive. Um, He was crucified for yeah he was crucified by the town people he had to do it and people were mean to him for something he had to do to survive but he never actually served in the army right so he did he did serve in the army for eight months and then he was discharged and then he went and that was in minnesota then he went down to iowa and then tried again but he kept getting discharged because of epilepsy and seizures got it okay i understand but he did serve he was an official 
army person. Because of Polly Pry's articles and stuff she was putting in the paper, people had a change of heart, and then they started petitioning to no. get his sentence overturned. Polly! Polly! What the fuck, Polly? Governor Charles Thomas, as his last act in office, granted parole, but he did not pardon Packer. Um, and he only released Packer on parole on one condition that he didn't try to make money off of his story. Okay. Packer then goes on to work as a guard for the Denver Post, no, where Polly uh, works, refers uh, to her as his liberator, um, and then he is a ranch hand for a while. I just, and had just the fucks off and is a ranch hand. Visceral reaction. Yeah. Um, he dies April 23rd, 1907 at age 65. Uh, the cause of death was cited as dementia with trouble and worry. And he is buried in Littleton, Colorado. He did get a soldier's headstone, but it is not the original headstone. It had to be replaced because someone stole the original. Uh, they were also very afraid of people desecrating the grave, so they poured concrete over it. But you are able to go and visit the grave. If you would like. I'm going to pee on it. Well, it's concreted over, so it's not going to do anything except for be gross. It's the act. It's the okay. act of it. I'm going to pee okay. on the concrete. Make his um, grave like this. <laughs> so, other note is that some rumors is that he was a vegetarian at the end of his life. And he was well-liked by the community, very charitable, and considered a man rich with stories. I disagree. If we look back at how he has been talked about with other people, like how other people talked about him, I disagree. Yeah. So there is one final part of the story that I wanted to hang on to because I think it's okay. the craziest part of this whole thing. Oh, my God. And it's that he got a tattoo of his name, Alfred, A-L-F-R-E-D, on his arm during his days in the Civil War. But the okay. tattoo artist spelled it wrong and spelled it A-L-F-E-R-D. So then he started going by Alfred instead of Alfred. He had to no regrets his own name? His tattoo artist no regrets his own name. So then he was like, I like this better. So even though legal documents will say Alfred, he went by Alfred. I was going to ask that earlier because I heard you say both. And then I didn't. Yeah, so that's the story of Alfred Packer. Um, obviously, fun, silly, goofy things. Cannibalism. Thanks. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's how we got the name. Uh, people chose it. Um, I was so stressed out because at the end of the Wikipedia article, where I was doing some of my research, there is a section for pop culture. So I opened it up and I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious. There is a musical written by the creator of South Park, Trey Stone. Um, there is a musical, a fictional comedy musical, Cannibal the Musical. It is available to watch for free online, so I'm going to be doing that. But there's also a list of podcasts that talked about them. And I started panicking because I did not <laughs> want you to be like, oh, I know who this guy is because there was My Favorite Murder and That's Why We Drank who both did... And also, the dollop did a story on this as well. Yeah, I think that which I, I, I used to listen to. Um, 
I used to listen to that one as well. But um, so like as like parts of it were coming back to me, but like I did not remember 99% of that. I did a lot of research. I read a lot of articles. I watched a lot of videos. Um, I was not messing around and I was so excited. I have been dying to tell you this story for ages. I just sent you a text message with the meme that started it all. I made it and I was like, I have to tell Mario this story. I cannot wait. <laughs> this is the best fucking meme. Oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> it's exactly how you feel too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because for the past three weeks it's been, Mario's going to talk about Mothman and then I have this story and I'm doing this thing and I'm so excited. <laughs> I almost let it. I was trying to do like fun little Easter eggs on threads and I had to stop because I was two seconds away from just putting it out on threads. Hey, I'm talking about Alfred Packer. <laughs> I'm also, that's also why I wanted to go second because I knew that this one was going to be a much longer story. And yeah. I well, think and that's kind of also why I kept to the basics with Mothman because, like, as you noticed, you could go deep with the mothman prophecy yeah. and the theories and the different sightings and like yeah so i was like let's keep this baseline easy primer primer easy episode of of mothman so wow what a story good job good job i had fun i hope you guys enjoyed it um, yeah. we should probably do something funny to like end it. That was kind of a heavy story. Yeah, I guess we didn't think about that part. of it. <laughs> so we're both taking the weekend off from doing things. Yeah, I'm going to play so much Stardew Valley. Is that what you're doing all weekend? Uh, I mean, I have to clean up my house a little bit uh, from company that just left and company that is coming. Oh, yeah. This October, my house has been a little bit of a revolving door. A little bit, guests. yeah. Yeah, so um, I will be playing Stardew Valley and then getting my apartment ready from guests. Ready for guests from my other guests. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. What are you going to be up to besides editing? Uh, I'm going to do my nails. Finally, I'm going to play Stardew Valley myself with a friend of mine because it's been like two months since we played together. I'm going to play a shit ton of Baldur's Gate. And I'm going to take the nicest fucking bubble bath Ooh. and I'm going to use a bath bomb Stunning. and I'm going to do a face mask and I'm going to light some candles and I am going to finish my book and it's going to be great. You should have a friend over for dinner. Have a friend for dinner, Margo. Have a friend over for dinner. Have a friend for dinner. Okay. You want to come over for dinner? I'll have you for dinner. Okay. There are two connotations to that. <laughs> uh, take us out. Tell us about our socials, Margo. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and threads at Eternal Slumber Party Pod. You can email us at Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail.com. And if you feel like being the greatest person in the world, you can leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you leave us a five-star rating and a review, we will read it on the podcast. You could be the first one if you want to. I know Spotify, you can't leave actual 
reviews. So if you send us a screenshot of your five-star rating and email us a review to that email I just gave you, we will read it here. Be the first one. Be the you brave one. You can also one. send reviews uh, through Instagram messages. If you want to reply to something on threads, reply in a comment on Instagram, then I will be able to look through those as well. So please leave us your reviews, comment, like, and as always, if you like us, share us with your best friend. If you hated this, share it with your worst enemy. And as always, have a great fish day or not. The choice is yours. Oh, we get to name this one something funny. We haven't been able to do that with uh, the Stranger Things marathon. I'll find a name somewhere in there. Yeah, I'll think of some other things. I feel like it should be something to do with having a friend for dinner. Mothman's dinner party. <laughs> having a mothman for dinner <laughs> having a mothman for dinner <laughs> when you throw mothman a dinner party he's gonna want some friends